we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law. Brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Good evening and welcome to Done By Law with Sam, Gemma and Greg. On tonight's show, we're talking with Dylan Goldsworthy from Northern Community Legal Centre. Dylan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And tonight we're having a chat about community legal centres and being union at community legal centres, um, which is a topic which I think is not discussed enough in the workplace. I know I've started at a lot of different community legal centres over the years and haven't really been asked about the union. So I guess um, to kick us off, Dylan, what is the union for community legal centre workers? So I'll also uh, just let you know a, a little bit briefly about who I am. So I'm a youth lawyer at Northern Community Legal Centre, which is uh, out in Broadmeadows. I'm I'm a delegate uh, there, so that means more or less like a, a union leader at, at that particular workplace. Um, and the, the union that represents community workers, so the community sector, which includes uh, community legal centres, is the Australian Services Union uh, Vic, VicTAS branch. All right. Okay. And how, did, how does one become a delegate? So um, when, when, you've, uh, when you become a member and if there's other members at the workplace, then it's a, it's a voting process where uh, you nominate yourself or someone else nominates you and then there's an election um, and on the outcome of that election, then you inform the, the union uh, kind of uh, union itself um, and then you become a delegate, essentially. Yeah, cool. And um, can you tell us a little bit about what the, you know, employment agreement is in community legal centres? Sure, I can do that. Um, so first of all, uh, just as a like a, a baseline, um, so CLCs are covered by the Social Community Home Care and Disability Services Industry Award, or also commonly known as SACS Award. Um, that covers our minimum entitlements, but um, for uh, certain workplaces, not all community legal centres, but a lot of them are covered by a multi-business agreement. Um, there is probably other enterprise agreements out there for CLCs, but at least the, the big one that I know about is is the multi-business agreement. And so I, I've heard um, anecdotally that our union business agreement is quite old now, our, our EBA. So how old is it? 
You're, you're right there. Um, so I'll refer to it as the MBA. So an EBA is the enterprise agreement. So that's usually one workplace. And then there's the MBA, which covers a lot of different CLCs um, because they're different employers. Um, so that one expired uh, in 2019, 2019 sorry, <laughs> 2009. Um, so due to the way that ABAs and MBAs work, um, it continues to operate until it's renegotiated or it's terminated. Wow. So how come like it's taken or like how come it hasn't been renegotiated in, in this time? Um. Obviously, I haven't been on board with, uh, you know, community. I haven't been at a community legal centre um, with this particular MBA, um, not until August last year. So it's been, you know, quite a short amount of time comparatively to other people in the sector. Um, so I don't know the whole history, but from what I've gathered from speaking with officials at the union, uh, is that there's been, you know, considerable changes at. at the employer group uh, there's not necessarily an employer group but the employer <laughs> different clcs uh kind of negotiated and bargained from jobs australia which requires all the different clc boards who are the workers employers to kind of sign up to it so that can obviously take quite a long time for 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 people to for different CLCs to sign on to, and that can be the reason why um, it's taken so long to renegotiate. Obviously, um, there's other factors that contribute to that as well, um, in terms of uh, pushing it from from a member uh, from a membership level as well. Dylan, I'm curious. I'm I'm sure that when, given the the passage of time, um, since it was last negotiated, I can only imagine the kinds of things that start to become out of date. One thing that strikes me is, um, in the time since it was last negotiated, you know, it seems like about eleven years ago. Um, there's now increasing pressure to use mobile devices so that we've got all of our work capacity at home, and you know that creates. Um, changes in the way that, um, you know, I think uh, employee protections need to operate to make sure people aren't working outside of hours and the like. I can only imagine the other things that have changed. Um, One of the main things that, um, in your view, are out of date now? A lot has changed over the last 10, 11 years um, in the CLC space. So there's there's probably three main areas um, that I would say require some some attention in any new agreement. Um, the first one would be our, our wages. Um, the second being uh, the kind of encroachment of insecure work uh, and also uh, fun, funding and, and the linkage to advocacy work which I can go into if you wanted me to. Um, I would love you to go into it. That would be great. Sure. Um, It can be a bit complicated, so I'll give you a bit of a, you know, a background, so bear with me a little bit. So at CLCs, our pay, our rates of pay are set by two different sources. So the award that I mentioned earlier and also something called the Equal Remuneration Order. Um, 
So we've got our award and historically also because the community sector has been significantly undervalued and underpaid, worse so than now, um, is because the sector has historically been made up uh, of primarily women. So it's a feminised sector and because it's community work and mainly women, it's, you know, considered caring and therefore is undervalued. Um, so about eight years ago, um, ASU members campaigned and fought a national case uh, in the Fair Work Commission to achieve greater pay for the community sector, and that resulted in the Equal Remuneration Order in 2012. So that has benefited CLCs as well as we're in the community sector, which has resulted in our pay uh, going up two times a year in addition to the award. Um, and over the last eight years, it's probably gone up by about 50%. So that's like a big part of our pay rate. Um, so this year in the, the budget, um, the Morrison government agreed to pay the increase, but only until December. So we'll, we'll get another pay increase in December from the equal remuneration order, and then we won't get any more pay increases from that. We'll only get pay increases from the award, which is usually, you know, 0.5% every year, which is minimal and barely even inflation. So that's going to mean that our wages in CLCs are going to, are going to stagnate very soon. Um, and our we're already on the minimum, and that means that Soon enough, we're going to have to you know, really fight to get uh, higher wages. So that's one area. Yeah, <laughs> I find the pay stuff fascinating when it comes to CLCs. I'm someone who has worked in a bunch of CLCs and then um, moved to legal aid, you know, and one of the main reasons I moved was because of the um, – you know, arguably better pay and conditions that I could get at legal aid. I got more, I got more sick leave, which was really important to me. You know, when I was working in the CLC sector, I was only getting the minimum number of sick days, um, you know, and in a feminized workplace where we know that <laughs> in particular, um, you know, people who menstruate, for example, have a higher need for leave. Um, you know, I found that to be concerning and my pay was frankly terrible. Um, when I was in the sector, um, yeah, I just, I felt like I was in a position where if I, if I stayed in the sector long term, I was always going to rent a house. I would never have any kind of real like nest egg or savings. And, you know, I was going to be in a position where I was, you know, as then a single person, um, you know, one big issue with my health or something similar could have left me in a bit of a financially precarious position. And yet I think, um, you know, certainly when I was in the sector, we were pretty un unwilling. I was certainly unwilling to, you know, kick up a big stink about the pay because I felt really lucky to be doing the work that I was doing. I loved doing it, cared about the communities that I was working amongst, um, and so I think it is a bit of a trap that because people really care about the work and they really love the work that they feel really disinclined to complain about the, the pay. But that's, yeah, that's really alarming if the pay can stagnate. I feel like already fairly low paid workers, um, 
you know, can end up in a really precarious situation. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, you've touched on something else that is a factor in, you know, not uh, workers in the in CLCs not uh, trying to renegotiate the, the MBA is because of those um, feeling lucky that you're in a job that you, I don't know, I can speak for myself, but definitely... Uh, I've heard this from other people as well, is that you feel passionate about it and you're dealing with and assisting vulnerable people and there's that feeling that if you are trying to get a higher pay rate, you're doing it at the cost of, you know, helping others. Um, There was two other things that I wanted to touch on as well, if I can. Yeah, please. So two other things would be insecure work and 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 fun and funding um so as i'm sure many people who work or have worked in clcs know that um the funding that we get from this from the state uh, say government or from the federal government primarily federal government can be you know short-term and conditional so many of the position positions offered at clcs are subject to funding and therefore their fixed term. So that means that, you know, you're insecure in your job, you don't know if you're gonna be there past your the funding change. Um, and that really disincentivizes CLC workers joining to the joining their union because they're worried about putting their hands up when, you know, in the next couple in the next three months maybe they their job uh, won't won't be there. Um, and that and that also goes for the, the amount of mergers between different CLCs that we're seeing that can really challenge people's job security. Um, the other, the last thing that I wanted to touch on was the um, what has been called a gag uh, clause in um, funding agreements between the Commonwealth and CLCs, which means that any, oh sorry, it's a partnership agreement, I think that's what it's called, um, where funding is conditional on community legal centres not using their money to campaign or lobby the government. This has really reoriented how CLCs have historically worked in doing campaigns, advocacy and activism to primarily focusing CLCs on doing service delivery as well, um, which means there's no jobs in those in the advocacy or campaign space as well, and I think that's something that can be challenged in in any new agreement that that's bargained for. And I think you can't really understate the importance of CLC workers being able to feel like they can do something to change bad systems. You know, I think that the work is just inherently, you know, you're at the coalface, it's very difficult work, It's it can be um, horrifically emotionally draining just seeing the systemic impact that our so-called justice system has on um, minority groups and people who are experiencing disadvantage. And, um, you know, I think one of the shining lights of the work that CLCs are able to do is to take that really unique uh, perspective on the justice system and turn that into really meaningful change work. Um, and yeah, I just think that it's, um, I think it's a, 
a terrible, terrible fate when CLCs aren't able to use their, I think, you know, really incredibly important and unique insight to actually make the systems work better for the for the groups of people that we work for. Um, yeah, I don't think that the impact of that can be understated, um, you know, quite aside from the loss of jobs and stuff that comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people get into CLC work is that idea that you can not only do individual service delivery to clients, but or um, and you can also do systemic advocacy work and have other workers that are doing community development work or education work rather than just that, you know, going through clients opening files, closing files and you know seeming to to really make any impact beyond mm. individuals. Yeah. And for and for all our um neoliberal listeners, um <laughs> well, um, you know, I think there's also an efficiency argument that if you're able to um, factor in system change advocacy in the work that you do, you can make your service far more effective. If the same issue is coming up over and over and over and over again and you're having to service client after client after client after client in a one-off way, it also makes sense from an efficiency perspective, um, you know, to be able to go into bat for for system change. And um, I think it's it's really unfortunate that 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 is um, being at best deprioritized by these funding agreements. Dylan, in terms of, um, I think this has been a really energizing conversation and I think that it's really fantastic to have these conversations out in the open and to to go into bat for people to advocate for their needs so that then they can be um, safe and happy and productive workers for the communities that they work for. In terms of what individual um, CLC workers can do to, um, you know, look at at changing the current situation, um, what can they do? Um, I'll I'll just plug a line and say that (laughs) joining your unions is going to be the best way that you can uh, have more power at work, um, getting into contact with your other co-workers, whether or not that be within your own CLC or um, within the sector of other CLCs so that you can discuss common common issues that you have and kind of think of ways that we could actually make the sector and CLCs work better and, and return to those kind of earlier ideas of systemic advocacy campaigning and and change rather than just that legal service delivery model that um, it doesn't go far enough. Great. And and so just again, what is the the union that covers the CLC sector just so people can look them up and hopefully fill out an application form? So it's the Australian Services Union, VicTAS branch. Um, I thought I would also mention that, um, so joining your union, obviously a great way to start, but also um, I've been uh, starting to 
to drive a, a, a Australian Services Union CLC network so that different members across CLCs can join um, a network of other members and that we can start talking about things like the MBA but also these broader, broader issues. Yeah, brilliant. And so how can people um, get in touch to um, join the network? Um, I would say that you could get into contact with me. Um, I could provide my email um, or phone number. Maybe you could include that in the notes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. For today's show. Yeah, great. Yeah. And then people can get into contact with me if they, if they don't know where to go or, um, yeah, otherwise it would be contacting your union, um, contacting the ASU, sorry, not your union, that the ASU would be your union. Um, and then, you know, you know, finding out if there's other members, having conversations with your colleagues. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot more like-minded people once you have start having these conversations. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, my experience is that the union that you join is only as strong as the will of its members. And, you know, having those conversations in your workplace, getting people um, engaged uh, and, and making people feel positive about the prospect of change I think as a group is is really vital um, and and the other thing is that I I worry that people see this as a as a negative thing and as a threat to the you know the official, you know basically by pushing for greater wages and conditions that you're um, doing the wrong thing in terms of the the other kind of outputs of the the sector i.e the ability of the sector to to do the work and I think it's really important um, for us to at least say that uh, it's I think it's really vital to the future of the sector that there's um, supported and cared for staff in order to make sure that people are actually able to do their job um, properly and long term and in a way that is you know safe and happy so um, yeah we'd really encourage everyone listening um, to have those conversations with their colleagues and to get involved with, you know, putting in some some conditions that more reflect uh, the current period of time that we're in. Absolutely. Um, I think you've really nailed, uh, nailed uh, it with saying that the union's only as, as strong as the membership. Um, it's important to challenge that idea that the union's there just to service you and to uh you know give you you know to help you out when you uh lose your job it's more than that it's about joining like a common uh cause and a, and a social movement as well Sorry, definitely Dylan, I, I just on that topic of um i guess the social movement i think lawyers tend to be a, a group of people that don't unionise. Um, and I think, you know, that leads to a lot of problems, I think, in particular um, for women because of confidentiality clauses um, built into employment contracts um, and where basically you, you don't know um, what your colleague is earning. Um, do you think that uh, this movement might be uh, a way to encourage the broader legal sector to um, unionise, um, I guess, to put that radical idea to you? 
<laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it's it's funny thinking of the broader legal in industry. I suppose uh, for for those of you who aren't community uh, community sector CLC lawyers, the AS Australian Services Union private sector is where union uh, lawyers who work at law firms can can join. So I think there's this idea that if you're a, a lawyer uh, that you don't need to join a union and that you are able to protect yourself because you, you, know, you have all these skills to, to bargain and negotiate your, uh, your own outcomes. But as soon as you're in that employment employee relationship, that, that power imbalance um, makes it very difficult to prove protect yourself but also to um, protect and support your your colleagues as well um, whether or not it will impact the broader legal services uh, I don't know <laughs> um, we could only to be honest, I haven't really thought about the broader <laughs> legal uh, <laughs> sector um, I definitely second that idea of um, encouraging people to have those conversations, though, and to to share their um, their their pay as well. You know, like I was incredibly fortunate when I was in a position where I was um, negotiating a salary, and I've had um, other people, and in particular um, other women, share with me their starting salaries or their current salaries, and it just put me in a much better position to know. Um, the parameters in which I was actually um, negotiating and I think being open and transparent about that kind of stuff is also really important to make sure that workers get what they they really deserve to get. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic conversation um, that you've started, Dylan, and, yeah, I would encourage everyone who's listening to really do what you can to, to get on board. Um, I think it's really important to have people who are willing to um, put their hand up and start these processes and start these conversations. And, yeah, I, um, I really hope that there's able to be some change. We've been speaking with Dylan Goldsworthy, who's a youth lawyer at the Northern Community Legal Centre. Um, we are most unfortunately out of time, um, but we want to say thank you, Dylan, for, for coming on and, and starting this conversation. No worries. Thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, people can get in touch with us through our Facebook page um, and we can pass on details um, to get in touch with Dylan or get in touch with um, whoever it is at the union that people can get in contact with. Thanks again, Dylan. It's been a really great conversation. No worries. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. You've been listening to Dumbo Law on 3CR 855 AM. Stay tuned. Up next is Voice of West Papua.